Thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. Well, good morning, Victory. Are we excited to be in the house today? Let's make a little noise for Jesus. We are so glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us today. If you're a first-time guest, we welcome you. We're honored that you're here. Edmond Campus, love you guys so much. It's such a joy to join you there at the Edmond Campus. And those that are watching online, we got word just a little bit ago that we have people watching from the UK right now. So we welcome you live from the UK. We're honored that you're here and excited that you're joining us. Before I jump into the word today, let me just remind you of a few quick things coming up. Church, um, April, first off, Easter's coming up, whether you, whether you like it or not, it's coming. Easter's uh, upon us, spring is upon us. Uh, the weekend before Easter on April the 1st, uh, we're gonna do a Seder, we do these every year. Uh, a Seder, if you've never been a part of one of these, it's a Jewish custom. Uh, we're not Jewish, we're, gen- we're a Gentile church, but we love the symbolism of this and we are grafted into these promises uh, that the Jewish people that God loves. And so we, we go through this process of Seder, which is a journey of all these symbolic uh, pieces and elements that you partake of. That is the journey of the, the Israelites leaving Egypt and heading towards the promised land. And so if you've never been a part of one of these, I encourage you to register for this. Uh, last year, we had uh, over 700 people that came. I was, I was speaking to the Center for Israel, uh, a ministry out of Gateway Church that is a Messianic Jewish kind of ministry. And their director told me, he said, to my knowledge, nationally, this is the largest Seder in the country that we've ever heard of, of, of a Gentile church having a, having a Seder. So it's, it's a great event. If you've never been to it, uh, it's filling up very quickly. We'll meet in this room. So if you've never been a part of that, I encourage you. Uh, we have a very famous Messianic rabbi, Messianic Jewish rabbi, uh, Jason Sorbel will actually be here. Rabbi Sorbel will be here uh, leading us through the Seder. And so I encourage you to, to be a part of that. Also, uh, tonight, uh, here at the Oklahoma City campus, we are, we are not, this is not a Victory Church event, but we are hosting a really cool event. Uh, it's called the City Night of Worship. Uh, and this is a, a gathering of churches all over the Metroplex and worship leaders and worship bands from other churches. And we just come together and worship. And so you're invited to this. It's, we're actually hosting it this, this time at 6 p.m. here at the Oklahoma City campus. So we invite you to be a part of that. If you have your Bibles, you can uh, flip over to the book of Hosea. And it's, kind of, it's one of those books of the Bible that you may have to use your table of, table of contents to find it. No shame, just do it, okay? Uh, so we're gonna be in Hosea. Uh, you can also flip over to the book of Deuteronomy, all right? So we're gonna kind of be camping in, in both of these passages. I wanna do a, a quick poll before I, um, uh, before I read this, before I get into the text. How many of you, by show of hands, uh, in 2017, okay, so we're going back like six years, uh, we're not a part of Victory Church. Raise your hand, 2017, 2017, all right, look at all those hands, that's awesome. Edmund Campus, show of hands up, up at the Edmund Campus. Reason I ask that is last week, um, God did something really special at the 11 o'clock gathering in, in the altar time, and God, for those of you that were here, God really impressed on my heart this, this we were singing a song called, I Re- We Receive Your Rain." And God, God, God kind of gave me this picture of, of those of us who, who just aren't receptive. It's almost like there's a lid on us. And so the rain is coming, the rain is falling, but we weren't receptive to it. And so, so I want to kind of piggyback off that. For those of you who never grew up in church, you, you don't, don't have any idea. You're like, what is this rain? What are you talking about right now? Like, I don't understand what's going on. In, 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 all through scripture refers to this, this rain from heaven, and we're going to unpack some of this. And really to get a picture of this, I just want you to picture what, what rain is in the natural, right? Rain is something that falls from the sky, that falls on the ground, 
to, to, to accomplish some purposes, to, to bring sustenance, right? Uh, to, to replenish, to restore, to cause growth to happen. A thirsty land is receptive to rain because it, it longs for the rain. It longs for something that's going to give life. And even plants, the, the, the things that, that benefit from the rain, what the rain says to the plant is you can't do this without me. And so the plant thirsts for something and, and a rain comes from heaven to help the plant do something that it cannot do without the rain. The plant cannot grow without the rain. The plant cannot survive without the rain. And most importantly, the plant cannot produce fruit without the rain. And spiritually speaking, this is what the Lord does for us. He comes to replenish us. He comes to give us life, life to the, there you go. So I'm going to preach a sermon that I, I touched on back in 2017. And I want to take a sermon and, that I preached all the way back in 17 and kind of, it's going to be a different sermon. This isn't a microwave leftover. I don't want you to think that. But last week, as we were going through this process and people, God began to speak to me very clearly to, to take me back to this, this, this passage. And in 2017, I was in Africa. I was in Lesotho uh, at our church there in Masera, Lesotho. And I was riding with the campus pastor and we were just driving. It's a very country, a lot, not a whole lot of city, a lot of rural, a lot of agriculture. And we drove by this field and the campus pastor down there just nonchalantly said, rain's coming. And I go, what, what a strange thing for anyone to say. Oh, mm, mm, that's great. Yeah, small talk. Okay. We don't talk like that in America. What are you talking about? Rain's coming. He says, you see that field over there? I said, yeah. He said, it's freshly plowed. I'm like, so what? He goes, he said, here farmers don't plow fields unless they know rain's coming. So he said, in Africa, when we see a field that's been plowed, it tells everybody rain's coming, rain's coming. And so I wanna take you to the book of Hosea, Hosea chapter 10, I'm gonna read this passage for you in verse 12, Hosea 10. I'll give you just a second to flip to Hosea 10. It's also on you version. It's also on the screens behind me. Verse 12 says this. It says, sow with a view of righteousness and reap in accordance with kindness. Now lean into this. Break up your fallowed ground for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. So I want to talk to you on the subject of get ready for rain. Get ready for rain. So, Father, we, we come before you. We simply go to the word. Um, we believe that it's the only source of truth in a world that's seeking truth. It is the only place we go to to find it. And so, Father, I pray that you would um, do something that surpasses my ability. Uh, but use your word to shape us today. Use your word to mold us, to plow up the fallowed ground of our hearts because we believe rain's coming and we want to receive it. We need life. We need nourishment. We need replenishment. We need to produce fruit that we can't produce without you, Lord. So prepare our soil to be receptive to the word. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said. So if you've spent any time in church, um, you've probably heard a preacher preach a text that talks about sowing and reaping, you know? Um, us preachers are good at that. Sowing, reaping, sowing, reaping. Um, but not all the time do you hear a preacher talk about one really important component to sowing and reaping, and that component is plowing. Plowing. So I want you to think of the context of this, of this verse. It says, break up your fallowed ground. Because God's about to rain, but if you don't prepare the soil for the rain, it won't be receptive to the rain, and so the seed will not take place. There's this bulldozer, it's called a D10 or D11, and this bulldozer does something where it trudges this, this, this fork or this knife or this type of instrument behind it, and this thing will go seven feet deep. <laughs> 
It takes incredible power. That's why these are the only bulldozers on the planet that can do this because of the power required to take it seven feet down. And the importance of this is because over the years, the, 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 the washout, the erosion, all of these things, the true nutrients that, 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 that pack the most potential sometimes lies way, way down deep in the soil. And they have found the trick that they must go deep. They must dig deep to find the most nutritious soil and stir up the soil to produce fruit. And I think that this is the same in us many times that the Lord so longs to use his people to do amazing things and the rain's coming and it'll fall on everybody. The difference will be who has the soil that's receptive and ready to produce the fruit that God wants to do in us. The rain is coming either way. And this text says, it's very clear instruction. It says, break up your fallowed ground. Now that's not a word we use a lot in our English language, but in the Hebrew, this word fallowed is the Hebrew word neir, and it means tillable or untilled. And it says this, like concrete. Now, all of us know that if you threw a seed on concrete, the seed is not going to produce anything. Uh, fields can become so dry and so fallowed or so hard that a seed, you can throw a seed in fertile soil, but if it's not been plowed, it won't take root. In Matthew 13, it gives this parable of the sower. We've talked about this before. I've preached sermons on this before. And all the different seeds that fell on different soil, the seed was going was gonna to do its job. The problem was the seed was not falling on the correct soil. And it says that the seed that fell on the path, the birds snatched it up. A path was hard. It was not pliable. It was not moldable. And this is a picture many times of our hearts. That many times it's not that God's not good and it's not that God doesn't wanna do great things through us and produce fruit in us. It's that the seed or the rain that falls down from heaven to his people, there are those who are receptive of it and those who are not. There are those who have done the hard work of plowing up the hardness in our hearts for God to do something. And fallowed ground has two primary characteristics. Number, number one, fallowed ground is unproductive. It is incapable of producing fruit. There is no harvest. There is only weeds and rocks. Uh, the second way, the, the second characteristic is that fallowed ground is undisturbed. It's undisturbed. And that's the problem is it has never been plowed up. It is undisturbed. And that's why it's quieter in here than if I was preaching a sermon on sowing and reaping. If I was preaching a sermon on sowing and reaping, we'd all be like, mm, I want some of that. Let's go. We talking about fruit. Amen, Pastor John. But when I talk about plowing, eh, that sounds painful. There's a process that God takes us through. And I've said this to you over and over again and over and over again and over and over again. Before God ever does anything through you, he does something in you. That there is fallow ground, even in my heart. There's areas of my heart. There's areas of your heart. There's areas of our life where we have just become unreceptive. An area of our life where we, have, we, we experience disappointment or frustration or confusion. We were rejected. We prayed to God and he did not answer. We wanted the church to be this for me and the church wasn't. I needed that pastor to be this for me and he wasn't. And so that area of our heart can become very hard and untilled and, 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 and needing to be used in, in different ways. And really there's two ways that, that, that fallowed ground is created. One is a drought, <laughs> just a really dry season. And if a farmer experiences a dry season, the ground will become very hard. Almost, almost though you've seen pictures or you've seen fields where the ground is so dry that it cracks. It's just hard, it's not receptive to anything and a drought will cause this. And maybe this is, describes you. You've just in a, been in a real weary season. You're just tired. And when you go through a drought, hard-heartedness can begin to creep in and, 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 and unfallowed ground can look like you just don't feel like going to church. And you just don't feel like opening your Bible. And you just don't feel 
like worshiping God. There's nothing in you that, that wants you to do that. And it's in these seasons that agriculture, there's a term used in many agriculture books called, called uh, dieback. Dieback happens when the root systems of a plant realizes that it's in a drought and it knows that it's going to begin to die soon. And so to sustain itself or to survive the drought, it will protect the inner vital components of the plant, the root systems, the stem, all of those things, but it will begin to die from the outside in. And so if you've ever had a plant or a house plant or something where, where the tips of the leaves start to die, and then if you wait long enough, it'll just, it just begins to creep in and the leaf begins to die from the outside in. And this is how our lives can feel sometimes. When we're experiencing a drought, addiction, a seemingly insignificant thing can begin to just creep in. It never comes in like a flood. It comes in very slowly from the outside in and things begin to die because we are experiencing a drought. Uh, the other way that, 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 that uh, fallowed ground happens is it can just go through winter. In the winter, the, the ground becomes very hard. It's dry, it's, it's dry, it's not as much rain, but it's cold. The ground becomes very hard. And, and maybe this describes you. Maybe, you, maybe you've just been in, in kind of a, a winter season. And so a question that I would pose to you is how harsh was your winter? How bad has the drought been? And what I'm challenging you with is the thought that I wanna challenge you to consider the, the, the possibility, okay? I'm not saying you are. I'm saying, is there a possibility that there are some components of yourself, your thought life, your, your heart, that has become hard to the things of God? And you've just kind of blocked out God in this particular area of your life, and I, I, I kind of lean into God here, or I trust God here, but this area of my life, I just don't trust God with giving, I don't trust God with my kids, I don't trust God with my job, I don't trust God with my finances. There's certain areas of our life that we can become hard-hearted. Ephesians chapter four, Verse 18, it says, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. Here's why. Because of the ignorance that is, them, that, that is in them do, here's why, because their hearts were hardened. So the hardening of their hearts actually caused them to have a lack of understanding and the lack of understanding and the hardening of their hearts caused them to separate themselves from the life that God wants to give, the life-giving rain that God wants to come down. A.W. Tozer had this quote. He said this, he said, the man of a fallow life is content, is contented within with himself and the fruit he once bore. He does not want to be disturbed. He has fenced himself in, and by the same act, he has fenced out God and the miracle. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's just more comfortable to live in the predictability of a drought than to have to face the plow. <laughs> because the plow is not comfortable. The plow is God coming to challenge the areas of our life that need his attention. Unforgiveness, bitterness, people who have hurt us, harmed us, things that come to just cause a hardening of our hearts. Proverbs chapter 20, verse four says, sluggards do not plow in season. So at harvest time, they look but find nothing. The seed is the seed. The seed is going to do its job. But the potential of a seed never precedes the plow. It always follows it. The seed only lives up to its fullest potential when the plow has passed by first. If the farmer decides to go out into his field and just throw out the seed, the rain will come, but it will wash the seed out. It'll wash the topsoil off of the field and, and, and there will be no harvest. And I know that's uncomfortable. I know it's like, man, John, I don't like this so far. I get it. But I just come with a little bit of a challenge today to, 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 for all of us, including myself, to say, God, is there any piece of me that you're trying to sow seed in, you're bringing the rain, but I am not receptive enough to give birth to this. What I really wanted to talk to you about today was the rain. And I wanna get into that, but I want you to know that fruit always follows the plow. Fruit follows the plow. Uh, then rain comes, let's look at this verse, in verse, this, this same text we were looking at, the, the latter part of verse 12, 
It says, for it is time. It says, if you'll plow the fallow ground, it is time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. Jeremiah 5, 24 says this. It says, let us now fear the Lord, our God, who gives rain, both the former and the latter, in its season. Can you say that with me? Say, in its season. He reserves for us, I love this, God has called in a reservation. He's called ahead, reserved seating. God has reserved for you the appointed weeks of the harvest. So let's revisit this again. What is rain? Is this just some weird analogy, some weird parable, some weird thing? Rain is the thing that comes to help you produce something in your life that you cannot produce without it. We are called as believers or just human beings to produce fruit, to produce things in us and through us that other people can partake in around us. This is bearing fruit. And a key component of this is the rain and God wants to do this. So what I wanna do for the next few moments, I found this really great passage that's just chock, chock full of meat for us to partake of today. And it's in Deuteronomy. If you if you've flipped over to Deuteronomy, we're gonna go to Deuteronomy chapter 11. And for the remaining minutes I have, I just wanna unpack this verse and let this text preach for us. I won't have to do a lot of preaching. It'll, preach, it'll do all the work for me if I'll let it. Okay, so Deuteronomy 11, this is the children of Israel. They're out of Egypt. They're about to walk into the promised land. They're about to walk into the area that God has reserved for them, prepared for them, into the new season. And there's one final instruction before they go into the promised land. And this is it in verse 10. It says, for the land that you are entering to take possession of, it is not like the land of Egypt. It's saying there's a new season coming. And I want to differentiate your last season from your upcoming season. All right. It says, from which you have not come, where you sowed your seed and irrigated it like a garden of vegetables, but the land that you are going over to possess is, so it's gonna give us this description of what the land is. It's a land of hills and valleys which drinks water by the rain from heaven. Look at your neighbor and say, it's different. He's saying the new season that you're walking into is going to require a new type of thinking. It's going to require a different set of systems because the land that you came from, you were able to build irrigation systems to bring the rain for yourself. You could, you could manipulate the system in your last season. You could bring the rain whenever you needed the rain. You could build your own irrigation system. You could do it on your own. He says, but in the, in the promised land, the season that I'm wanting to take you into, it's just different. It's just different. You're not gonna build irrigation systems here. God says, I'm gonna bring the rain. That's good. You're gonna have to rely on me and wait on me. You can't, you can't manipulate it. You can't force it. You're just gonna have to lean in and depend on me. And he, he describes the land. He says, it's a land of hills and valleys. Well, that's not encouraging. What does that mean? You're gonna have ups and you're gonna have downs. Sounds a lot like a roller coaster to me. This is the promised land, God, seriously? Like before we got to the promised land, bread just fell from the sky. That was kind of cool. And when we had a craving for meat, you just had a bunch of quail show up and we got to eat. And now we got to just depend on you. Before we could just manipulate it and build irrigation systems and water would come whenever we wanted. And God's like, yeah, I don't work like that anymore. You're going to have to depend on me. And he says, this land is a land which drinks water by the rain from heaven. So let me ask a quick, quick, quick question. How many of you, Edmund, OKC, by show of hands, how many of you, your houses have an irrigation system? Raise your hand. You are the Egyptians, okay? 
you can make it rain whenever you want to. July 29th, and we're in a drought. You're like, I don't care. No matter to me, I got the program, you know, water rationing, eh, whatever. I'll just set it for 2 a.m. when you're not watching. I'll do, I'll. You're like up in my crib, we make it rain. We just make it rain whenever we want. It's raining whenever we want it to rain. How many of you show hands you do not have a sprinkler system? You're the Israelites, you're the good guys, all right? You're just like, God, if you're gonna bring the rain, you're gonna bring the rain. There's, there's an utter dependence on the Lord to bring the rain. And there's, there's an element to this that, that we, we must lean into. Um, and you may be thinking, well, why don't the children of Israel just build irrigation systems? That'd be way better. Why can't they just build an irrigation system in the promised land? How many of you have ever noticed that even those of, uh, of you heathens that have irrigation systems, um, have, you, have you ever noticed that when it rains, it, it's just different? The grass responds differently. Um, your irrigation system, as well as it is, and as great as it is, it's actually packed full of chemicals, and fluoride and chlorine, and all these chemical chemicals that they use by man's attempt to purify the water. But there's just something about rain that's different. It's packed full of sulfur and iron and, and nitrogen and all of the things that we as man try to mimic with fertilizer and all the things that we try our best. Like we try to manipulate it with fertilizer, but we're actually damaging stuff. It turns green, but we're doing more damage to our, to our society than we, than we even know. It's the same in the spirit, that when God's rain comes, it's just different. And sometimes we try to, to, to work our marriage, you know, or read a self-help book, or, and I'm not, not against that, and we'll try to manipulate our finances and make it work and make more money and climb the corporate ladder of success and do all the things we know to do in man's attempts to bring life, to, to try to find fulfillment, to try to find some purpose on this earth. That is our irrigation system. And many of us, myself included, we're guilty in previous seasons of just trying to make it work. And I sense the Holy Spirit saying to our church and to the global church, but I'm not the pastor of the global church, I'm the pastor of this church. I feel like the Holy Spirit's leaning us into a season for our church corporately, but also you, of saying you're entering into a season where you're not going to be able to manipulate it anymore that there's a fresh rain that God wants to bring from heaven, that if we will plow the fallowed ground and prepare our hearts for something and lean back and pray for rain, that God will bring such nourishment on our land. In Egypt, the provision was predictable. And it's so comfortable when it's predictable, isn't it? Isn't it just easier? <laughs> When you know it's coming and you're like, yeah, you know, I've got David Payne, he's gonna hook me up. I know what's happening. <laughs> it just feels better. I can plan better. I can plan the event better. It's, for the Egyptians, it was predictable, but it was puny, it was powerless. It's powerless. He's saying, I'm, I'm taking you into a new season where the provision is, the provision is pending. It, 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 there's a pendingness to it. There's, a, there's an expecting to it that I'm expecting it, but I don't know exactly when it is. But he said, if you'll rely on me, it's packed with promise. It's packed with the nutrients that are going to be able to help you grow in a way that nothing else can do. It's gonna help your business grow in a way that you could never do on your own. In the Old Testament, they, they have these weird measurements. You know, you read the Old Testament and you'll read some of this stuff and you don't understand it, so we just, let's skip it. Okay, skip it. I don't know what that means, skip it. Um, when you read how they build the ark and how they build the, te the temple and tabernacle and all these things, they'll use this measurement called a cubit. And you're like, what? A cubit? I don't know, you know, is it a cube? I don't know what that is. A cubit is a measuring instrument that they had back then. They didn't have lasers and you know, all of these sort of things. And they didn't go to Home Depot and buy rulers. Um, there was no standard operating procedure for measurements. And so a, a, a cubit 
was very simply put from the, the elbow of a man's hand, of, of a man's elbow, the elbow to the, to the tip of the finger. Elbow to the tip of the finger. That's a cubit. Now, I'm like, well, that's not real. It's probably not the most precise. Like, my wife's elbow to her fingertip is a little bit different than from my elbow to my fingertip. But this was kind of standard operating procedure. So they'd say five cubits, three cubits, six cubits, whatever, a dollar. Isn't that a song? <laughs> okay, whatever. That's one of my notes. <laughs> uh, got so many bad dad jokes that are just crying to get out. Uh, <laughs> um, so I want to I show you this. So they would use this, but there's this, there's this verse I want to show you that's so powerful if you lean into it. So in Ezekiel, the time came for the altar to be built, okay? And this was the word of the Lord that came upon in Ezekiel 43, verse 12. It says, this is the law of the house upon the top of the mountains in the high place. We are gonna build my altar. So what he's saying is in God's kingdom, it's different. So you build whatever you wanna build. You're building your little car, you're building your little dresser, you're building whatever, your bed. Yeah, use, you're good. Elbow, tip of finger. Whatever. God says, you, you want to build something for me? Okay. We're going to use a different measuring stick. So it goes on to say this. It says, the whole limit thereof round about shall be most holy. Behold, behold, this is the law of the house. Okay. Verse 13. And these are the measures of the altar after the cubits. The cubit is, he's going to tell us what a cubit is when you're building something in God's kingdom. The cubit is a cubit and, somebody say and, and a handbreadth. What? Sometimes it's like, God, do you just make this stuff up? Like, what are you talking about? Cubit and, he's like, you measure, you, when you build something for yourself, elbow, tip of finger, elbow, tip of finger, do it your way. Do it your way. It's great. But God says, when you build something in my kingdom, you're going to need a hand. Wow, that's good. So in my kingdom, you're going to go elbow, tip of finger, and a hand breadth. Wow. We're going to measure it differently in God's kingdom. How many of us are really good at this? Yeah, I can, I can build a church, God. I can, I can be the pastor of a church. I can grow a church. I can do this. I can do this. Yeah, God, I can, I can help TKU. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And God's like, mm-mm. If you want to do it in man's way, sure, go ahead. But there are just certain things when it comes to building it God's way that you need a hand. And what God is saying is when you do anything in my kingdom, if you want to do it for my kingdom, I need to have a hand involved in it. So if, if, if you want to build your marriage, yeah, try your best to build your marriage. See what happens. Try to build your marriage without God. And then try to build your marriage with God's hand. Try to build your business. Yeah, try. Oh, okay, try your best. And you might grow a big business and get rich and lose your marriage. And lose your sanity and lose your sobriety. Why? Because you tried to do it without God's hand. How many of us, myself included, it's so tempting to skip the plowing, skip the hard part, skip the work God wants to do in my heart, just go straight to the seed. Let's just throw some seeds, see what happens. We've skipped a vital step. We skipped skipped a, a vital step. So what I'm saying is, God, I need your hand in my marriage. When it comes to raising my kids, mm, God, I need your hand up in here. Can I get an amen, parents? When it comes to being a pastor, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it without God's hand. There's nothing I want to do. Why? Because when God brings the rain, it's better than an irrigation system. It's better than anything I could have manipulated and done on my own and created on my own. And so we got to begin to ask the Lord in every single area of our lives, God, where am I missing your hand? Where am I not receptive to what you're trying to do in and through me? I, I, I need a hand. And in chapter 28, this story, you skip forward several chapters in Deuteronomy 28. It says, the Lord will open the heavens and the storehouse of his bounty 
to send rain on your land, when? Just when you need it, in season, and to bless all the work of your hands. So you notice it didn't say, hey, when we measure, when we measure out to build the altar, it's just this. Nothing else, just this. It's not like, it's not like God's like, yeah, you just sit down and rest, precious. It's gonna be okay. You've worked so hard. Let me take it from here. No, God said it's gonna be you and me together. All the work of your hand, if you'll invite God in with his hand, now you're getting the right measuring stick. Now you're doing the work with, with God. And now there's something different about the work that's happening. Why? Because you've invited in the only one that can bring the rain. Verse 13 says this, going back to chapter 11, says, and if, ooh, mm, dang it, hate ifs. And if you will indeed obey my commands that I command you today, here they are, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. You know what he's saying? If you'll plow the fallowed ground, if you'll plow, a change of scenery requires a change of systems. No amens. Cool. Let's keep going. <laughs> I must change the way I think if I want to change the way I behave, if I want to change the fruit that comes for it. If you need a book, my pastor just wrote a really good book called The Power to Change, Craig Grishel, all right? Verse 14 says this. Verse 14 says, he will give, this is right after he says if, if you'll do this, verse 14, he will give the rain for your land in its season. Now watch this. The early rain and the later rain that you may gather in your grain, your wine, your oil, your grain, your wine, your oil, your grain, your wine, your oil, and he will give grass to your fields for your livestock, and you shall eat and be what? Full. So this, this verse, I'm trying to hurry here, but there's so much content I want you to get. I know I'm just like fire hydrant this morning, but you can watch it twice. So this same verse, this grain, wine, oil, grain, wine, oil, former rain, early rain, latter rain, early rain, latter rain, this same, this same conversation, these same words, the same concept is found in the book of Joel. And I want to show it to you. Joel chapter 2, verse 23 through 25, it says, So rejoice, O sons of Zion, and be glad in the Lord your God, for he has given you, here we go, he has given you the early rain for your vindication. And he has poured down for you the rain, here we go, the early and latter rain as before. Verse 24, the threshing floors will be full of grain, your vats will be full of new wine and oil. Grain, wine, oil, grain, wine, oil, grain, wine, oil. Verse 25, then I will make up to you for the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. The creeping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the gnawing locusts. I have good news. God says my promises are retroactive. You missed last year's harvest because you were being an idiot. You missed the last seven years' harvest because you've been being an idiot. Not plowing. But God says if you'll plow, if you'll plow, if you'll plow up the fallowed ground, stop trying to build irrigation systems, Invite my hand into your life. I'm going to bring you grain, wine, oil, but not just this season. I'm going to restore to you everything that the enemy stole from you all those years. Isn't that good news? So what does this mean? Like, I don't know about you, but if, if a dump truck backed up to my house and dumped up a dropped off a dump load of grain, I'd be like, that doesn't help me. I don't know. I don't know what to do with grain. I don't know what to do with that. So grain in scripture, let's talk about what this symbolizes. Grain in scripture it symbolizes uh, financial or material blessings. Okay. It's, it's, you know what, Christians, it's okay to be rich. Did you know that? You didn't know that. It's okay to have wealth as a Christian as long as wealth doesn't have you. 
okay? So God wants to restore to you, if you'll plow, if you'll plant seed, God wants to restore to you your financial and your material blessings. Wine in scripture represents gladness or joy. And many of you have not felt true joy in years. And God's saying, if you'll plow up the fallow ground, if you'll go into the darkest places of your heart where you are harboring unforgiveness and bitterness and all those things, if you'll let me break that up, I'm going to restore joy back into your life. And then oil, oil in scripture represents the anointing of the spirit. And the Holy Spirit's anointing, if, if, you know, if you didn't grow up in church, you don't know what I'm talking about. The Spirit comes to put a supercharger on your four-cylinder engine. It's to take your little four-banger Hyundai and strap a jet engine to the back of it. It just means you can do more than you could ever do in and of yourself. So, so God is in this, in this habit of, he wants you to bear fruit. He wants you produ to produce fruit if we will go through these processes. So let me just really quick unpack this and then we'll close. Two types of rain presented. If you've ever heard this verse, the early rain and the latter rain, early, latter, early, latter. And if, you're, if we're, we're not farmers up in here, so we're like, I don't know what that means. The early rain was the rain that came in, in the fall. It's called the autumn rain. It would come October, November for them. And basically what this does, they would plow the fallowed ground. That's why my friend Seppo said, rain's coming. Why? Because the field's been plowed. So they plow the field, seed is planted. Here comes the, the, the early rain. The early rain comes to allow and to encourage and to, in many ways, force the seed deeper into the soil. Um, you could plant a seed, you could take a seed all day, put it in a jar, and it will never do anything until it is put in soil and, and, and water hits it. that makes that grape go from a bitter, small thing to a lush, plush, juicy orange, uh, a grape that's gonna produce fine wine in your life. It's the thing that comes right before the harvest that gives the orange the juices inside of it that it needs. Any pick, pick your favorite fruit, pick your favorite whatever, it's the latter rain that really prepares it for harvest. And some of you said, I sowed a seed three years ago. I started working on my marriage four years ago. I, I've been waiting on this. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting on God to prepare this next season of my life. And you've been waiting and you've been waiting and you've been waiting and you've been waiting. You need the latter rain. And the promise from heaven is that if you'll, if, if you'll do, if you'll plow the field, God says, if you'll do what you do, I will always do what I do. God says, I, the rain's coming. Rain's coming. The question is whether or not you're going to be receptive to the rain.
Will you bow your heads for just a moment? Some say, some theologians, and and myself included, I, I believe that in many ways this is a word for us in our, in our personal lives. Many believe that the latter rain is the pouring out of the Spirit in the last days. In, in, in the book of Acts chapter 2, it's quoting Joel chapter 2, and it says, In the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Many believe that this is the latter rain that's coming just before the harvest. And I believe in many ways our, the church, the global church and the nation is beginning to experience the latter rain of God's presence being poured out onto a generation, onto this generation, just before the harvest. So I want to close and give an invitation in a couple of ways and, and, and pray and ask the Lord to do something for us all today. I want to kind of separate us into two types of people, and I'm going to ask each of us to respond to this. Going back to the plow, all right, I want to give a, a quick invitation for those in the room who would say, yes, I believe that there are certain areas of my life because of drought, because of winter, because of circumstances, because of challenges that I've faced in my life, that maybe there's an area of my heart that's become hard. Truth be told, if we, if we all searched every single corner and recess of our heart, chances are we all have something that's become a little bit hardened. So I wanna, I wanna, I wanna pray for you, but I want you to acknowledge this, and I want, we're, we're, a, we're a church that believes in response, that there's a, there's a response in our heart, but there's also a response in our action, that there's this physical picture of a spiritual truth that when I respond, God some, does something supernatural. And so if you're here or at the Edmond campus, and you would say, that's me, there's a part that I feel like the Lord is challenging me to get out the plow, because he wants me to bear fruit in this area of my life and I'm willing to do the hard work, whatever it is, whatever the Holy Spirit leads me to do. And I wanna get out the plow and allow him to dig deep in my heart. If that's you today, will you stand up? You won't be the only one. Just stand to your feet real quick. Awesome. Now let me encourage you, if you're still sitting and you should have stood, this does not mean you've done anything wrong per se. It just means that there's an area of my life that I want to bear fruit and I'm willing to, to allow God to plow some things in me. Okay, stay standing. Now, for the rest of us, and even those that are standing, you can, we can respond to the same thing. <laughs> I'm already standing, by the way. So this is the one I'm responding to. If you see areas of your life where you have done this, you see yourself building your own irrigation systems and just creating your best as you possibly can, just trying to produce your own fruit. Working hard, working your fingers to the bone, trying to figure this thing out, trying to figure out your own salvation, trying to figure out your business, trying to figure out your marriage, trying to figure out your relationship with the Lord. And you know what what this produces in that religion? A set of systems that you've created. And, and if you're here and you're saying, you know what, there's areas of my life that I need to add something to this. And really all I'm saying is, God, I need a hand. <laughs> I, I need you to lend a hand here. If I'm describing you in any way and you want God to lend a hand, will you stand to your feet? Edmund, OKC, just say, I need God's hand. I need God to lend me a hand. I don't wanna do this without the Lord anymore. I wanna have a moment where we allow the Holy Spirit to do something and we won't drag this out. If the Holy Spirit doesn't move or do anything significant or anything crazy, we'll go home. But what I'm doing in this moment is as, as the preacher, I've done about all I can do for you. And I'm saying, Holy Spirit, we want you to come into the room and give us a hand. So, so what I want to do, we're going we're to go back into this, this song that we sang last week of I receive your rain. I receive it. And this can mean a lot of different things to all of us. Some of you are saying, I, I receive the early rain, Lord. I receive it. Some of you are saying, I receive the, the latter rain, Lord. I need it. I need it. 
And I believe that God wants to do some plowing today. I think all of these things are true simultaneously and at the same time. So what I wanna do here at the Edmund campus is I wanna open the altars, all right? These altars are open for you to come and to respond. Whether you're saying, I need to plow, or you're saying, I wanna receive the rain today. I want God to do something supernatural in my life and I wanna create space and intentionality for me to lean into this and see what the Lord's doing in my life. So on the count of three, I just wanna invite you these altars are gonna pack and that's great. That's what we want at the Edmund campus and the OKC campus. We're gonna lean into this. I'm gonna pray. And when I say amen, I want you to leave your seats and press in and dig deep, all right? So Father, we lean into this for just a few moments. We don't force this, but God, we wanna respond to this. There are those in the room who are weary. They've gone through a drought. They've gone through a winter and we've become hard. So Father, even as we leave our seats to walk up here, God, may every step be a plowing to till up the soil, to produce fruit in our life. Some of us, God, are stepping out of our seats to come down because we're saying we are so thirsty for the early rain and the latter rain, Lord. We we are saying, come and have your way. Fill me up, God. Fill us up today, Lord, with your spirit. So these are your children, Lord. These are your people, your sons and daughters. So I pray that you would respond to their heart's cry as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.